Steve Wiltfong, he's been Fong to Oklahoma. Reggie Powers makes it in this weekend, and it could be two more defensive back commits in about a week's time after Michael Boganowski last week. We'll see with the timeline of Reggie Powers. But what I have learned, Parker, is that if someone takes a visit and it's their first visit and all of a sudden there's all these crystal balls coming in, Steve Wiltfong even getting it on the party, there's normally a pretty good chance that Reggie Powers, um, or, or, or any commit for that matter, alerted the staff of what their uh, future intentions may be. So I'll what are you, what are you saying here? I'm just saying. What are you say, what, what's the insinuation the here? The insinuation, I think, is very clear. That now that everyone thinks that Reggie Powers is going to OU, that he didn't leave town without uh, maybe giving Brent Venables a chip. I don't know, just a guess. Just a guess on my part. Yeah, I think that kid's... <laughs> I think that kid is publicly a Sooner within the next seven days. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, right. probably going to happen at some point this week. And you're talking about another ad in the secondary uh, in about a week's time. And they were always going to take both Michael Boganowski and Reggie Powers. And after all of that went down at Michigan State, I, I, I wonder if the staff had the attitude of, given where we're at in the secondary with our roster and given what we already have in this class, if we can just get one or the other, like, cool, fine. I wonder what their initial confidence level was when they reached out to Reggie Powers, what, about a month ago, that they would get both he and Boganowski. Uh, but here they are today with a really good chance to do so, man. It's funny because I, I know for a fact that part of the onus behind the offer to Powers, not the, not the entirety of the onus, but part of it was, okay, like, we want to put the heat on Boganowski a yeah. little bit. Like, come Worked on, out, like, didn't it? Make a decision here sooner or later. And the kid made the decision – Made it in favor of Oklahoma, and in the meantime, things got hot and heavy real quick with Powers, and just throw another one onto the pile, Tyler. Yeah. Just throw another one onto the pile. It's funny, the two commits they got last week, it feels like the staff with both of those were, all right, like, let's uh, let's let's maybe push this a little bit. Um, Bogan asked, let's go offer this Reggie Powers kid, this Michigan State decommit, and kind of see if that pushes Boganowski to commit a little bit sooner. It sounds like they did the same thing with uh, Devin Jordan as well. So they, they did yeah. that with two prospects, and they ended up getting them both last week. And so they're that, still that recruiting Kobe Black, by the way. Like yeah. it, if Reggie Powers does indeed commit to the University of Oklahoma, as I expect, he may not be the last defensive back. He would be the seventh total defensive back to commit to Oklahoma in this cycle, and somehow he may not be the last. And I am not of the opinion that they end up with Kobe Black, but the very fact that there is a world in which Oklahoma signs eight defensive backs in the same class, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah, and we spent, um, man, the majority of this cycle, probably like the position group more than any other, the defensive line class, right? Just given the importance of the defensive line class for this recruiting class for OU. Recently, all we've been talking about is the offensive line class and how if you get EPL and Bricks, it could be Bill Biedenboe's best offensive line class that he's had at OU. Like, your trench class could be the best in the modern era. We've bragged about the wide receiver class with the amount of bodies in it, but you end up getting Reggie Powers, and it sounds like you're going to. I'm not saying it's the best position group in this class because there's a lot of really good ones, but your uh, your secondary class for the second consecutive year is real good once yeah. again. and to be honest, I didn't really anticipate Oklahoma taking a huge class in the secondary particularly because because the class last year in the secondary was so large. You took Kendall Dolby via JUCO. 
You took Jacoby Johnson, Makari Vickers, and Josiah Wagner at corner, and you took a trifecta of safeties in Peyton Bowen, Eric McCarty, and Dave McCullough. So you took seven defensive backs last year. You're taking seven again this year. You got five right now that are all four stars. You had Reggie Powers, that's six that are four stars. And if you can make something happen with Kobe Black, then he's they're, a five star at least on one service, right? They're so. all they're all four stars, aren't they? Well, Co- the- is Kobe Black a four star on Rivals too? Is that I thought maybe on twenty four seven at one point um, he was uh, he was a five star. But I, I believe he's a composite five star. Yeah. But I believe all of their current commits. Uh, Michael Patterson McDonald is the one that's a three star elsewhere. He's a four star on Rivals, correct? Though, so. Yes. Every single one of Oklahoma's current commits in the secondary is a four-star on at least one recruiting service. Six foot one, two hundred pounds. Reggie Powers out of Dayton, Ohio. Again, he's a four-star. Michigan State D commits. Uh, what's to like here? Because I see another physical player in the back end of the defense that doesn't mind uh, getting the hat involved in the run game, yeah. kind of like Boganowski. Yeah, yeah. You watch that film. There is a lot to like about Reggie Powers' game, and. I don't think his stock is done rising on the recruiting trail. And he had some brief flirtation with Ohio State. Ohio State, I don't think, ever truly prioritized him. I. It, it makes you wonder, is that going to be one of those dudes, kind of like Brian Osamo, where you look back five years down the road and go, how on earth did the Buckeyes <laughs> let that kid get away to Oklahoma? Because he's an Ohio kid. Yep. Centerville, Ohio, very southern portion of the state. And on the verge of becoming the next Oklahoma commit. Yeah, 405-651-3439. Text line is uh, already going crazy, which we love. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, Ohio Sooner says, as someone who went to a high school that got waxed by Centerville back in the day and after watching Reggie Powers' film, I'm extremely excited we managed to pull in an Ohio kid. That kid is going to be a thumper. That makes two. You got Brendan Zerbrug, too. Two Ohio kids in this class for Oklahoma, if you get powers. We've uh, mentioned how many states the staff has already been active in, gotten a commit or, or a player from since they arrived on campus. Like We, we, may, be, uh, we may be getting to about 40 states <laughs> come uh, next year in 2025, man. State of Washington, state of Ohio, state of Minnesota this year. It does not matter. New Jersey last year, an Sheesh. offensive lineman from every single uh, time zone. The staff will go anywhere to, to find someone. And they are uh, really good evaluators, seemingly, uh, seemingly across the And board. you know what's funny is the commit that everybody is most excited about right now, at this particular moment in time, Liam Evans is Liam <laughs> Evans. A kicker, PWO, from right up the road. Yeah, everyone's going to be wanting to watch KRefSports.tv this week to check out more and see what Liam Evans is doing, huh? Oh, here he is. OUinsider.com is going to be on fire. Here, Liam Evans, 38 yards from the left hash. Uh, we got about a 10-mile-per-hour wind at his back. Let's see if he can knock it down. Could be on Liam Evans' watch on KRefSports.tv. Yeah, trust me, he, hit, he hits a 38-yarder this Friday. Everybody is going to be quote tweeting that clip and going, "Well, here's Liam Evans making the kick that Zach Schmidt missed." <laughs> oh, buddy, yeah. No, seriously, you can catch all the uh, more Lions games on uh, KRefSports.tv. And uh, I was joking about that, but we will definitely like we've been monitoring Andy Bass and his games every single Friday, every single Thursday because he's just so much fun to watch. 
Liam Evans' stats could be making their way to uh, locked in here in the future. That, that could that could very well be a uh, a possibility. Two one four says the number two and number three kickers for twenty twenty four are still uncommitted. Why the hell don't we make a pitch for one of them? And it says sorry, the number six kicker. Well, you got again. You got you got Liam Evans in there. Yeah. So you feel like you're probably pretty set right now on that front. Sooner Dave says Liam has the school record for more high school this year, 51 yards. I think 51 huh. yarder. Dang. Yeah. No, and that's not that's not the extent of his range either. If you've watched some of the clips he posts on Twitter, he can hit from well beyond 60. That's a guy that's got some leg strength. Uh, Joe in Tulsa is. <laughs> Pushing the Wit Edwards bandwagon once a day, it happens, and that's fine. I just it, it happens once a day now. It just doesn't seem like that that's going to that's going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Wit Edwards is not going to end up at the University of Oklahoma, and we've discussed this on numerous occasions. But the reason Wit Edwards is not going to end up at the University of Oklahoma is because the Sooners do not feel that he is cut out to play any particular position. At a high level at OU. He may be cut out to play high-level football somewhere, but the Sooners cannot accommodate him at a particular position in which they are comfortable in his skills because they're not taking him as a wide receiver. you got a crowded room as it is. They're not taking him as an edge rusher. You've got a crowded room once again there. And he's he's simply too long and not fast enough to put at safety like at that point you're almost that joe and tulsa said you can put him at safety now you can't put him at safety can't put him at safety the sooners worked him out at tight end at a camp in june didn't like the fit there so yeah he's a good football player just not one yeah. that fits the mold it's of a good problem to have it's for. a good problem to have when you're talking about uh, situations like just because you feel like you're set at some of those other spots or in a really good position uh with with what you said there mark for me said what does composite mean versus just five star composite is essentially the average of all the uh recruiting services like here's the average of what everyone thinks and the average of kobe black says that he's a uh, five-star on 24-7 composite. Um, uh, okay, we get, we got to get to this, right? Eddie Pierre-Louis, yep. we talked about him all last week. Supposed to be in Norman this week. Uh, we kind of thought that he shows up to Norman and tells the staff, if they didn't know already, let's go, I want to be a member of this class. But Eddie Pierre-Louis didn't make it to Norman. No. And so what's going on? What Should we worry? Mention it last hour. Mm-hmm. Right now, the expectation, emphasis on expectation, is that he'll be back on campus for the West Virginia game, assuming the logistics are conducive to that trip. I also want to emphasize that EPL not being able to be in Norman for a visit this past Saturday does absolutely nothing to affect my perception of where the Sooners stand in that race. Well, in terms of uncommitted players that you have right now and – I, I mean, I guess Reggie Powers could be an example, but he was literally just in town. In, in terms of uncommitted players that you'd feel still okay about, even if they didn't mysteriously make it to town, Eddie Pierre-Louis would probably be number one on that list, right? I mean, don't you think so? Like, And I'm with you there. It's like, oh, okay, didn't make it to town. That's interesting. But if he's planning on making it back and he's planning on making it back for their next home game, I don't think that there's at least right now, and, and let's let's let the the next couple of weeks happen, right? Because OU's on the road the next two weeks. Yeah. 
So maybe the situation could change. I don't really think it's going to. I would say at this point, don't worry about Eddie Pierre-Louis, that he'll be, maybe he'll just take a little bit longer for that commit to happen. It's, it's kind of where I'm thinking right now. And you know what? If it takes a little longer, heck, you can wait. You can wait. You got, what, 26 commits right now? Well, this? I think it's actually a great strategy by Bill Beatenbow because if he gets bricks at the, by the end of the month or, or maybe just you know after what he's already gotten this month, Beatenbow wins KREF Recruiter of the Month for October. Then he gets EPL in November. Oh, and he wow. Can back to back. I think that that's what's going Double on. Double it here. up. He's sandbagging. I think Beatenbow told EPL to stay at home this week and come back for the West Virginia game so he could be back to back. He's sandbagging on us. He's yeah. trying to he's trying to join <laughs> Emmett Jones's exclusive company right now. Yeah. As repeat winners of the K Ref Recruiter of the Month Award. Uh, yeah, Beatenbow's going to be out watching Bricks this weekend. Uh, I, I say weekend, this Friday. Uh, he'll be out visiting Bricks in Lamar's, Iowa. Lamar's, Iowa. Got to make that uh, trip back to Lawrence, Kansas for the 11 a.m. game. Boy, this staff, when they've uh, w- went out to see some other players, on the- they haven't been given any favors, have they? But um, Chavis goes to Minnesota to watch Wyatt Gilmore for the Cincinnati game, and he has to book it back for the 11 a.m. kick, and that sounds like what Biedenboe's going to have to do as well. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Jay and Ellick says, was EPL grounded? <laughs> Some of you I, will understand that reference. Yeah. No, I, it's, uh, there's nothing amiss about that situation in some. I still expect that Eddie Pierre-Louis will be in Oklahoma's class. Reggie Powers isn't the only prospect with the crystal ball future cast mm-hmm. in. There is another mm-hmm. in the 2025 class. We'll get to that. Bryant Wesco, a whole lot more. You guys know what we do here. We talk OU football. We talk OU Cruton. We'll do it next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and you, The Ref Army as well, listening nationwide via the free KREF app. Brighton, Iowa is tuned in today. Eureka, Utah. Decatur, Texas. Whitmore Lake, Michigan. Austin, Texas. The home of Dylan Gabriel in Hawaii is tuned in today. Miliani Town. And then the Bronx, New York is tuned in as well. Small Oklahoma Town of the Day. I think Skya Took, Oklahoma is making its uh, first appearance. There we go, baby. A small town. Skya Took. That's out by Collinsville, right? What up, Skya Took? Yes. Ref Army Locator brought to you by Affordable Door Company. They are the official garage door company of the Oklahoma Sooners. And, of course, the Ref as well. They do residential garage doors, commercial garage doors, service and repair, garage door openers as well. Give them a call today, 405-635-9499. 405-635-9499. All right, we have another prediction in for another Carl Albert kid to uh, end up in OU's 2025 class. Tristan Haynes, the 2025 corner, four-star player. OU's just going to... Clean up out there. Yeah, I feel like they are. And I have long said that Trene Washington, because of the questions over where he fits at Oklahoma in the 2025 class, would probably be the toughest pull. Uh, But I, after this weekend, man, just seeing all those Carl Albert guys out at the OU game yet again, talking to a few sources about where things stand between Oklahoma and the elite foursome from Carl Albert in the 25 class, Kevin Sperry, obviously already committed, 
Marcus James, Trene Washington, and Tristan Haynes. I do believe, Tyler, and I'm comfortable going on record Here we go. with this prediction. Here we go. Oklahoma goes 4-for-4 four four at Carl Albert in 2025. Uh, okay. I don't – that would mean they would go 5-for-5 five five overall. Is it five Carl Albert offers that they have with uh, Xavier Robinson yes. being in 24? So five overall offers and – I don't have any reason to think that Xavier Robinson's going to decommit at any point. So not only 4-for-4 four four in 2025, but they're going to go 5-for-5 five five with all of their offers at Carl Albert. It's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty big time. And by the way, we mentioned it last week, what, four of those Carl Albert kids are ranked in the top ten in the state of Oklahoma in 2025? Here's where they – Kevin Sperry is the number three player in the class – He's a four-star. Tristan Haynes is the number four player in the state, four-star corner. You've got Marcus James as the number seven overall player in the state, and then there's Trinae Washington as the number nine overall player in the state. So this even sounds a little bit better, Parker. Four of the top nine players in Oklahoma for 2025 uh, play for the Carl Albert Titans. And you think, on the record now, all four will end up in OU's 25 class. That is my belief. When was the last time Oklahoma made that much of a living at a single school? We uh, we brought this up at Oklahoma. some point during the offseason. And obviously, like Union and Jinx have had uh, big-time teams before. Sure. But five legitimate offers on the same team? I th- Is it crazy to think that there's a chance that hasn't happened in the modern recruiting era for OU? I mean, we would know... If they had gotten all of those kids, right? Like, we, we could go back to a year where, oh, yeah, 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 there were uh, four and five union kids on the team at the same time, all with scholarship offers during this year. I, just the offers might be a, a record, but certainly the commits would be a record as well. If it all happens. It's pretty exciting, especially when they're as, uh, as good as they are. It's why, like, the, the prerequisites that you have to have here. A, for there to be that much talent, that much P5 caliber talent at one particular school. Also to have a coaching staff who decides about all those individual players. Okay, these are guys that fit the mold of what we're looking for. We're going to go ahead and extend them a scholarship offer. And extend those offers early in the process, too. Because as you recall, Tristan Haynes, Marcus James, Trinae Washington, those three were offered very early on in their recruitment by Brent Venables and the OU staff. So to have a staff that not only saw the potential in those guys early, but realized that they were a fit at Oklahoma, you have to have those prerequisites before you even start talking about the possibility of cleaning house across the entire board with multiple P5 caliber prospects in the same class. Then you have to actually go and do it. And I think Oklahoma is going to go and do it. Well, and I'll tell you who it may be the most important for, like, to make all of that happen. Like, Kevin Sperry really prides himself on already helping out OU on the recruiting front. I mean, his, his family moved out. I mean, there's a real commitment for Kevin Sperry and his family. Um, I bet Kevin Sperry is probably making it one of his missions that all of these OU offers that I play with on the same team, we're, we're, all, we're all going to end up at OU together. So I, Kevin Sperry's got a big hand in that as well. Very big hand in that. Uh, to the text line we go, 405-651-3439. Guy that promised us a case of Olipop if Rattler is drafted by the third round says, it's looking like Bryant Wesco will stick with Clemson. Visiting for the Notre Dame game, his career will waste away in that offense. 
do we need to move Bryant Westco off of Flipwatch or still monitor it for the uh, for the time being? Well, my question to you, Tyler, is did you see anything from the Clemson offense this past weekend that changes your opinion of the Clemson offense? Boy, what a great play design. Uh, with Cade Klubnick to try to Apparently get him Apparently it wasn't a play design. Apparently Cade Klubnick just kept it Man, when he wasn't geez. supposed to. Not great. Not not great. No, I have not seen. It feels like the Clemson offense has gotten worse as the season has uh, gone on. And I don't think Clemson's done losing games either. I'm so, just, they get another loss or two in them still. I can't, like, yeah, okay, Bryant Wesco can go and visit Clemson and say all the right things and do all the right things as far as maintaining his commitment. But at the end of the day, this is why I will continue to entertain the conversation about Wesco reopening his recruitment. Because if you are looking at this as a business decision, and I know the Wescos are, how can you conclude that jumping both feet first into that situation at Clemson with an offense that has been stuck in the mud all year under the direction of Garrett Riley, how can you legitimately feel confident in what you're getting yourself into? So you're saying, no, don't move Bryant Westco off a of flip watch just yet. I see that apparently he's visiting for the Notre Dame game. You are still putting him in the potential uh, flip category. Yeah, and, as okay. Of now. Let's get our let's define our terms here. I would not say Bryant Westco is on flip watch. I do not think he is, A, imminently flipping, and B, if he is to flip, I don't think it would automatically be Oklahoma. But I do believe, especially based on some conversations that I have had in recent days, that there is a chance he reopens his recruitment down the line. And at that point, we'll see what happens. But... Much like Williams Winery, much like Dominic McKinley, uh, much like Terry Bussey as well. You're talking about four guys there that all for their own reasons could end up taking another look at where things stand. And Oklahoma has not quit recruiting any of those four guys. So we're going to keep talking about them, even if Wesco and maybe a couple others in that category aren't officially of the flip watch designation yet. By, by the way, there's some news being reported right now on the whole Michigan spying situation. Oh, um, Yeah, the staffer that, uh, that got in trouble last week, uh, or at least was named, apparently bought tickets for more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the past three years. Also, video evidence of sideline taping is expected to be sent to the NCAA this week. Oh. Caught by stadium surveillance this year. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, he's... <laughs> oh, Sca- scapegoat there. Sorry about you. Hello. Stallions. Hey, but what a life. Uh, you got to go to more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the past three years. Sheesh, man. Ultimate road he trip, was, huh? He was getting around. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Stadium surveillance caught him taping games that he attended. Man, that's tough. Gosh, Michigan mm. just cannot. I don't want to say they cannot get out of their own way. Because I don't think that's as true for Michigan as it is for many other – like Nebraska is a program that can't get out of its own way. Michigan just can't kick through that ceiling, man. They just can't do it. And I I thought it was going to happen in 2023. I thought this was the year where we could all finally start talking about Michigan as a legit national title contender 
perhaps even front runner and not just a team that might make a playoff and be one and done at that point. Like this, this felt like a national championship type football team to me, and it still does. There's a lot but of people I saw last week this, picking them to win the title. Still, but to have all of this swirling amidst what has been Michigan's most impressive seven game stretch in a long time. Not great timing. Yeah. Hey, by the way, something uh, cool happened for me on Saturday at halftime. Hmm. You know, when Dallas OU was presented with the golden hats and everyone went crazy over that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were far less people for this, but I presented Ronnie Crimson with his <laughs> golden hats at halftime on Saturday. Saw Ronnie Crimson for the first time ever. He got his ref hat, his free ref hat, for correctly getting the OU Texas score correctly. So OU's played seven games this year. No one got the final score of 31-29 right. Ronnie Crimson is still the only Ref Army member to guess the score correctly in any game this year, and we probably had a grand total of over six, 7,000 guesses on our uh, Twitter page for every game. So Ronnie Crimson, man, I'm really hoping that we end the year and Ronnie Crimson's the only one to guess a uh, score correctly this year. But how, he got his ref hat. How the mustache look when you saw Ronnie Crimson? It's fantastic. Nah, Ronnie was in. Is he wearing the straw hat? Ronnie was. Yeah, he he was he was in the official uh, official Ronnie Crimson dress, and uh, he mentioned that he does want to meet you at some point. Okay, but that he can be was arranged. he was very friendly, very nice, and even a little optimistic though. Um, though the score was tied at halftime, so he was he was in good spirits. Well, it's nice to know. Yeah, good Good to meet Ronnie Crimson. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get back to more OU recruiting. Boy, it had been a while since late last week until USC had gotten a commitment. They're not looking great on the recruiting trail. They got 10 months until they're in the Big Ten. We'll hit on that. More OU recruiting next as well right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. It gets even worse for Michigan. We read the uh, the report last segment that this guy had bought like 30 tickets in the past three years for Big Ten games, 11 different stadiums across the conference. Apparently, he had uh, one ticket facing each sideline for the Ohio State-Penn State game this weekend. That uh, they were unused. He he didn't he didn't go to the wow. game. Wow! But the two tickets were purchased. One on one sideline, one on the other. Direct viewing of each sideline. Wow! <laughs> okay, like Ooh boy, I I know people are thinking it, so I'm gonna say it. How hard is it not to get caught That's doing what this? Chapstick texted that in and said the same thing, and I, I laughed. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yes, you get caught by stadium surveillance, like your videotape. It's man. Well, it was. Uh, it, it deserved to happen. They deserved to be caught, and I'm I'm glad Michigan uh, has now been caught for all this. Maybe they'll get the Kansas treatment and just a slap on the wrist, and they'll make him just take a banner down from a playoff appearance two years ago. But I don't know. Uh, maybe this will be a bigger deal than uh, just that. I think there's a, absolutely a chance it could be as more and more details are coming out. By the way, OU was ranked number four on Rivals on Friday. They are now back to number five. Still a top five class. Who jumped yeah, up? They are uh, back to number five. Uh, was it Notre Dame that ended up jumping them at five? Uh, no, Florida. It's it's Georgia one, Ohio State two. I bet it was Florida State after the oh, Armando, Armando Blunt. Blunt. Yes. Yep, yep. Because not only did he flip, he reclassified, correct? 
Yep. So I th- that's probably it. That makes it all make four, sense. Uh, Florida 4, OU 5, Notre Dame 6, A&M 7, Oregon 8. And then all the way back at number 26 is USC. <laughs> and I would just – I'd love to know <laughs> what the plan is moving forward. After this looks like a year they're going to lose four, maybe even five games. They won't have Caleb Williams next year. Um, they're going to lose some players off this team as well. This recruiting class isn't great. They don't have defensive players in this class that can immediately come in and make a difference. Is it just another Band-Aid approach and they try to go in the portal to get defensive players? I don't really know what USC is going to do next year, but I'm not super optimistic about it. Is Muleshoe going to be around for whatever USC does he may, next year? I may not be. I'm sure he wants to be in the NFL, but does anyone in the NFL want him? How do you – okay, and I will answer that question in all candor. Yes, I believe NFL teams would want Muleshoe because he is, if nothing else, a brilliant offensive mind. And so I think the reason why that would appeal to NFL teams is if you can get one of the premier offensive minds in the game and you can relieve him of any of the decision-making capabilities when it comes to Hiring a defensive coordinator, managing a staff. All like if you if you take that away from him and you just say, okay, we just want you to come yes. in, call plays, be the figurehead. We will call you the head coach, but you are really just the offensive coordinator inside of our walls. Yeah, you're the figurehead who calls the plays. I honestly, I bet there would be more than a few NFL teams that, given their current situations, wouldn't view that as an upgrade. Where where mule shoe has come unglued and has allowed his public perception and reputation to tarnish is, A, in the way that he deals with the media, which as an NFL head coach, you're contractually bound to deal with the media. Multiple times a week, not just one press conference. And so are the players. So he's not going to be able to approach – the media with the same degree of paranoia as an NFL coach as he does right now as a college head coach. And also, again, it goes back to his consistent unwillingness to hold Alex Grinch accountable for UC or not UCF, USC's ineptitude on defense. And so, again, if you as an NFL front office say, okay, we're going to hire the defensive coordinator, we're going to let him be in charge of the way that the defense runs. You're going to worry about the offense, and you're going to worry about representing this organization in the public eye as the head coach. I feel as though, as much as it pains me to say it, Tyler, that might be a role in which Muleshoe has some success. Yeah, well, I mean, here's – I know most fans don't care about player availability, coach availability. Like, I I get all that, but him not allowing the players to speak after the game just – I think paranoia is a right word, but to me it almost signifies like, oh boy, it feels like it really is crumbling out there because it, it really is, is, is an act of paranoia. To not let any of your players speak, to not let the reigning Heisman Trophy winner speak after a loss, after your second loss, it just makes me really, and I thought this anyway, that there's, it's real shaky ground out there, man. It's just a, it's a really weak move, it's a scared move coward move it's just very it's very weird it's on brand for him but just really really weird and you got to know that the media the media folks out there are going to be pissed off about it and oh boy 
they're they're letting it fly right now with their thoughts about him. And isn't it great to see the Lincoln Riley that the entirety of the state of Oklahoma warned LA about? Oh, you fans are right. Like, he's he's right there. Like he is in full mule shoe mode. This is him showing off the height and the true extent of his paranoia and his inability to a <laughs> take accountability b assign accountability and c act like a professional yeah because he's not acting like a professional right now well they're they're coming after him right now uh from the 909 state of California someone just sent us a screenshot of inside USC that's Scott Wolf he's been uh-huh. covering SC for over 25 years the tweet says One issue with Lincoln Riley, what is his base of support? He keeps a low profile on campus, doesn't interact with students, faculty, or staff, doesn't go to booster meetings, doesn't do much with former players. He didn't even host the Salute to Troy dinner, which is the job of the coach. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Wow. Isn't that what Steve Sarkeesian got in trouble, where he got in trouble, the, uh, the salute, salute of to Troy, Troy dinner. dinner? It kind of feels like Maybe. that's probably where that was. <laughs> Maybe Mule Shoe saw those clips yeah. on social media, and he was like, oh, I don't want to run the risk. Might of- want to stay away from that one. Bill Plaschke's ripping into him uh, with his LA, T- LA uh, Times article right now and the headline of it saying that Lincoln Riley is really kind of uh, ultimately a failure this year. Things you love to see. It is uh, it's quite entertaining. It's quite entertaining. On the topic of recruiting, a 214 listener says, I'm worried about Reggie Powers not getting an Ohio State offer. Any thoughts? Uh, well, Reggie Powers has an Ohio State offer. He's had an Ohio State offer for quite some time. So if Ohio State is the standard by which you judge prospects, especially prospects from the state of Ohio, well, then rest assured, uh Reggie Powers can play enough that the Buckeyes did offer him, although they never really prioritized him. Lesson Hayes, Kansas says, if Muleshoe was hired to Dallas for any reason, I wouldn't be a Cowboys fan any longer. Me and you both. Me and you both, Les. I am unfortunately, I say unfortunately because it's painful being a Cowboys fan. It would give me an easy out. Easy out from all the pain and suffering that I endure throughout an NFL season if Lincoln Riley was hired there. Because guess what? I wouldn't root for him anymore. LaDonna from Lubbock's going in on Lincoln. Um, he's not accountable. He's immature and really just a jackass, says LaDonna. I think Caleb told him he wasn't going out to talk to the media. 313, you can take Riley out of Texas Tech, but you can't take the Texas Tech out of Riley. <laughs> Boomer Sooner, Jim in Michigan. Love it. Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts on old uh, Mule Shoe on the text line Lost right City now. Sooner, when you were a fraud, you hide in the weeds and hope nobody sees you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. 2025, though, recruiting for OU, whereas Muleshoe, they got a commit late last week, and that was their first commit since July 1st, I believe. And they First were, commit period since July 1st? In 2024, since uh, July 1st. Yeah. Wow. It's been a while. And now they're still just outside the top 25. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't really know what the, the answer for, for, the, uh, for them is next year. Is after it? Caleb I, leaves. Okay, Tyler, like... Isn't this starting to smell a little bit like 2021? Well, I think it can get a lot worse than 2021. Like no, that tw- but what I'm saying, like as far as uh, as far as him, like already looking to leave and go the, elsewhere. Uh huh. Oh yeah, sure. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, think of the article that was released last week, the week before of 
well, you know, I may only want to coach until I'm 50. These NFL yep. head coaches and their lifestyle. Yep. Oh, sure. He's he's leaving clues along the way, just like he did the first time. And he said Saturday night almost exactly what he said for two months in 2021. I'm here for a long time, this job. Talking about USC now, talking about Oklahoma then, obviously. And I thought it was hilarious how all the reporters pulled the receipts on him when he tried to reframe the narrative. He was like, Nobody ever said anything about playing for a national championship. I don't know where that's coming from. Mm. And they pulled receipts from an interview he did in July where he's like, we didn't come here to play for second. We're competing for a national yeah. championship. He's, he's, he's weak and, and, and an idiot is what he is. And he's having a tough time recruiting right now. You know who's not? The University of Oklahoma. Number five class for 2024. And 25 commits, man. Um, they're already there. They're already a top ten class in 25, but – Feels like uh, over the course of the next two, three weeks, we're going to see more 25 commits as well. So OU's definitely ahead of the chains when it comes to that class. Things are, things are going well right now on the recruiting front, that's for sure. Final segment of Locked In is coming up next. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we are the home of Sooner fans. LaDonna from Lubbock wants to know, have they announced the OSU kickoff time yet? No. It is on a six-day hold. So we'll find out after OU and Kansas. But it sounds like um, if World Ser- if the World Series would go to a Game 7, that that would make the likelihood of OU-Kansas a 11 a- or excuse me, OU-OSU at 11 a.m. kick. It sounds like most likely it will be a uh, big noon kickoff for, uh, for, for, uh, for Bedlam. Gosh dang it. If OU goes to Lawrence and wins this weekend, it kind of feels like that's, that's going to be the case. That's been a... Uh... Has that been a night game? How many years in a row now? Uh, the last time you were out there, it was definitely a night game. Yeah, 2019, so it was a night game. 2017, it was like the 3 o'clock start on Fox, yeah, I want to say. Right. 15 was a night game. It was cold. Last year was a night game. 2020 in Norman, it was a night game. But for the first time in a while, it was a night game for a home Bedlam game. It feels like every time OU's played out there, it's it's been a night game. The last 11 a.m. Bedlam kick in Stillwater, I can remember is when OU pulled off that upset in 2013. Yeah. They were like a 10-point underdog and ended up winning that game. All OSU had to do was win as a 10-point home favorite, and they would have uh, won the Big 12 in 2013. But Blake Bell had other plans that afternoon. That cold afternoon, Blake Bell, the throw of his career. You know, what's funny is you know we get to this point of the season and this point of the recruiting cycle, it's, hey – these two big-time prospects didn't make it to town. And normally the Monday after you feel maybe really down about your chances or, or different than what you thought going into the weekend, I don't know if I feel any differently about two of the prospects that didn't make it in this weekend, Eddie Pierre-Louis and Kobe Black. Now, I, I felt completely, completely different about the two. Yeah, I feel really good about OU's chances for Eddie Pierre-Louis. Kobe Black is don't really get your hopes up about that one. Maybe something turns for you down the stretch, but that is far from a guarantee at this point. But the fact that both of those guys are seemingly coming back for the West Virginia game, my, my, my opinion, even though they didn't show up this weekend, isn't really changing all that much. Isn't it nice to be 7-0, and Tyler? Because I, that definitely plays into the security of the mindset from a recruiting standpoint. Last year, Oklahoma was 4-3 and at this point in the season. So, kid doesn't show up. Guarantee you there's a lot more people freaking out on the text line right now Yeah, about EPL, about Kobe Black, about, I mean, take your pick. But being 7-0, and 
being one of just nine undefeated teams left in the entire FPS, that's afforded you an extra measure of security and an extra degree of luxury in how you approach recruiting from an emotional standpoint. And having a top five class uh, helps out quite a bit, too. But, but yes, 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 to, uh, yes to all of that. Grant Bricks, it sounds like um, everyone around here still, still feels really good about OU's chances. It's just, when is he going to notify the staff that that is um, his intention to go ahead and commit to OU? Maybe it, it'll be this weekend in Lamar's, Iowa. That'd be sweet. Maybe he'll hand Bill Biedenbow his chip. If we're still talking about the same thing in three weeks and nothing's happened, do we ever like get back to starting to feel nervous again? Does he need to commit in the next week or two for us to say, oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, good. I'm not I'm obviously not worried now. I, right now my answer is no. I feel very confidently that this one ends up going OU's way, regardless of how long it takes. But I, I know the OU staff, none more so than Beatonbow, would love to just have this thing over with soon. 100% he would. He could be done with his class if he gets EPL and bricks at some point in this month or the next couple of weeks. He'll be like uh, Emmett Jones, already focused on 2025 and getting started there. Drew from Flower Mound says, dang, just saw Sam Spiegelman put in a prediction for Devin Sanchez to Ohio State. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was at Ohio State this weekend, correct? Top 15 player in the 2025 class, according to Rivals. Yeah. Ohio State has produced some solid defensive backs over the years. 405, yeah, yeah. Can't fault the kid for wanting to go there. 405 says Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels. Sounds like it. pretty good chances it's Bean once again for uh, KU this week. But long way to go until Saturday. We'll keep you updated right here on The Ref. The Rush coming up next.